0: God, we uh, are so grateful that we have the privilege and the freedom to sing out to you and to be together uh, publicly when so many of our brothers and sisters all over this world don't have the privilege of doing this. So, God, we ask that you protect them and watch over them. God, please give us open hearts. Give us open ears to the word that you have so faithfully given to Pastor Joe to share with us today thank you for this time. We thank you for this place. And most importantly, we thank you for your son in whose name we pray. Amen. We are a group of uh, people who are sinners, imperfect, and somehow through mercy and grace we come together every Sunday morning and make sounds and have fellowship that somehow brings a smile to Heavenly Dad's face. Amen? (laughs) Um, My name is Joe Davis Uh, I'm one of the pastors here We're continuing with our series on Psalm 119 Called Open Heart Surgery But I want to change something up this week Because there are some people that have been complaining That I've been spending too much time In the Old Testament So today we're not going to go to Psalm 119 We're going to have you turn in your Bibles today To Matthew 119 So do the Matthew 119 (laughs) There's not 119 chapters in Matthew. For those of you that, from Bradenton that don't understand that humor. Oh, now you laugh at that one, but you don't laugh at the Matthew one. This stanza is named after the Hebrew letter Heth. I've, call, I've called this message your piece of the pie. I'm going to read the passage to you from Psalm 119, 57 to 64. The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. When I, think, when I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. At midnight, I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O oh Lord is full of your steadfast love. Other versions say mercies. Teach me your statutes. I want to focus on the word uh, portion, but before I do, I want you to understand what this passage is. It is a beautiful description of what life looks like when God is your portion. When God is your pursuit, as opposed to the things of the world. Here in week eight, are you starting to love God's word as we go through this series on Psalm 119? Well, today, by the end of the sermon, I'm hoping you will be able to tell one way or the other if this is starting to have an impact on you or not. It's kind of like a midterm. <clears throat> the word portion, chelek is the Hebrew word. It means rightful share, tract of land. Or possession. In this psalm, according to the text of the rest of Psalm 119, it is symbolic of what we value. All of Psalm 119 is about what? The value of God's word. So in context, <clears throat> what the psalmist is saying is, the word of God is what I value. The word of God is my portion. It's a symbol of what we desire, what our purpose for living is, It is a symbol of our identity, what we identify with. It's what you wake up for. It's what you schedule. It's what you spend your money on. It's your piece of the pie. So for today, the word portion means passions, motivations, Desires. That is the context of all of Psalm 119, that the Word of God is the psalmist's passion. It is his motive. It is his desire. It is his identity. It is what he values. It is what he has chosen to be his portion. David, who I believe wrote Psalm 119, his portion was God's Word, his piece of the pie. The Lord was David's portion. This was the irrevocable choice of his life, and it created undeniable patterns of commitment, communion, correction, a lot of it, and then consistency in that correction. That same portion will bring you the same patterns in your life. Let me look at uh, my journal entry for this week. When I was studying this passage, I must determine when my desires are rooted in pursuing selfishness as my portion, and when they are pursuing God as my portion or my piece of the pie. While I can enjoy things, my motivation should not be to acquire those things over a deeper relationship with God. This will be evidenced by my actions, my schedule, my spending, my relationships, also how I respond to correction and hardship. So to this day, I struggle with pie. (laughs) I want to consume it. I want to consume it one self-deceiving, thin, small slice at a time. Right? As a matter of fact, I want to deceive myself so badly, I don't use a plate. I use a fork or a spoon. And I don't cut a piece. I scoop a piece. Anybody else do that? Okay, good. See, honey, it's not just me. So here's what happens. I will eat a piece. That's all I want, right? And I've I've drawn a bit because I can't use the spoon again. That's disgusting. Yes, I can. A few minutes later. And after a while, I've had... Eight to ten very small, self-deceptive pieces of pie. And what happens to the cutting of the pie? It's completely uneven. Now I have to get a knife out (laughs) and even it up. I love pie. As a kid, I always wanted the bigger piece. I would never, when my mom would cut a piece of, you know, have a pie... And she would cut two pieces. I would never say, that's okay, Tammy. That's my sister. You take the bigger piece. That never happened. Not once. As a matter of fact, I was not horribly athletic as a kid, but I was very nimble and quick when it came to the bigger piece of pie. I wanted my piece of the pie because my value system said this, get what I want first. And look at it, wouldn't you? I mean, look at that pie. You add some ice cream to that? (laughs) Dear God in heaven, help us. (laughs) But see, once God's word takes up residence in your heart, your view of the pie, your piece of it, will begin to change. This is how God's word changes your values when you want and pursue and crave it. I have six things, and they'll go quickly. The first one is eternal versus temporal. Cherishing things of heaven more than things of earth. Psalm 119, verse 57, he says, You are my portion, my piece of the pie, O Lord. I have said that I would keep your words. We need to be at the place that it really honestly doesn't matter how big our worldly piece of the pie is. We should always have our hearts and eyes set on our portion, our piece being with God. <clears throat> That's simple. One of the first things God's Word does to you is it allows you to focus more on eternal rather than temporal. It doesn't mean that temporal things aren't part of your life. They are, but they are not your portion. They're not your pursuit. The second thing the Word of God does to you, it allows you to focus inward versus outward. Focusing on how God sees you rather than how other people see you. Psalm 119, verse 58 and 59. I entreated your favor with my whole heart. Be merciful to me according to your word. I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. A true lover of God's Word is constantly analyzing and evaluating their life. Introspection. Constant introspection spurred on by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. But it doesn't stop there or end in paralysis, overwhelming guilt, or depression. That's where a lot of Christians stop. It's a sign you don't really love God's Word. It's the ability to make adjustments when it becomes evident that they are needed. So you don't read the word of God and say, oh, I need to adjust there, woe is me, it's too hard. That's a sign that you love the things that need to be adjusted more than you do the standard of which you're judging them by. But a child of God who loves God's word sees through introspection, looking inward, what needs to change and then makes the correction. And along with that is the third one, which is immediate response. Urgent action when our lives don't line up. In verse 60, he says, I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? That Christians that aren't connected to God's word or his people, people, by the way, both are important, God's word and his people, because he often teaches us his word through his people. The idea that you can be a Christian without the rest of the church is an excuse. It's an area that your life doesn't line up. Christians that aren't connected to God's word and his people are confronted with sin. And often they do nothing to correct or repent. In David's life, he needed both. He needed—he knew the word, but sometimes he needed Nathan the prophet to say, hey, you are that man. More on this later. But if God, if God is the piece of the pie that we crave, our portion, we have urgency to make those corrections in our life. Whenever David was confronted with his sin, and this was often, he received correction. And the scripture shows us in many ways, he would respond immediately. Look, guys, it's not about perfection. I'm not up here saying, read your Bible every day and you won't sin anymore. I mean, look at you. That's impossible. (laughs) But the deal is this. When God's word reveals to you where you're out of line, you're willing to look inward instead of outward. You see what God sees. You're willing to make the corrections, and you do them then, right then, now, at that place. The next one is no fear of the dark. Hardships are no longer excuses. This is important. A lot of times we make hardships, excuses for compromise. Well, I had a bad day, that's why I yelled at you. Or failure. You don't understand everything I've been through. I needed to get drunk or get high. You don't understand everything I've been through. I needed that thing that I took from the other person. You don't understand all I've been through. That's why I treated you poorly. I do that. We use them as compromise for failure. Instead, there should be times we pass the test, grow closer, and cling harder. Psalm 119, 61 and 62, Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I don't forget your law. Oftentimes for us, well, the cords of the wicked have ensnared me, therefore, it's okay to slip up today. Life's rough. It's tough. I deserve a 24-hour break from God's word. Today, my portion of the pie is something different than God because life is too hard. We use stress as an excuse to crave a piece of the selfish pie. And we're disconnected from people, from His Word. But a strong connection to God's Word creates obedience and rejoicing even at the midnight of our lives. I will rise at midnight to give you thanks. It's not talking about the time of day. The next one would be healthier relationships. See, when when a believer is connected to the word of God and his people, your relationships are less dysfunctional, less codependent, and less destructive. Look what he says in verse 63. I am a companion to all who fear you and of those who keep your precepts. See, healthy relationships based upon a mutual love for the word of God are stable, mutually beneficial, and enduring. At times, we do fall away from loving God's word. It happens. But that's when our relationships are strained. That's when our relationships are at risk. Self-seeking pie moments are when feelings and emotions are hurt the most. When connections are strained or severed. That's why obedience without delay in verse 60 is so crucial. Otherwise, the door is left open for destruction of our relationships. And you know what happens when that takes place? We replace them with new, dangerous relationships. We look for relationships like others that aren't connected to God as their portion. Funny how that works, right? We always have relationships. The question is, are they based upon a mutual love for God's word or a mutual love of themselves? When you choose God as your portion, your piece of the pie, your relationships do change. And we need them. We need these relationships because we cannot have blind spots to what we see around us. Sometimes we have blind spots to the word. We need other eyes we trust to point them out. I have them in lo- my life and they drive me nuts. Not the blind spots, the people who point them out. <clears throat> but they're there. I need them. And here's the way it normally goes, especially with my wife. I pretend like I don't hear them. But I do, I promise. But what happens is when we have blind spots because we're not connected to God's word or God's people, we leave the door open for those relationships to be severed, broken, and we will will replace them with destructive ones. The last thing that we wanna look at is mercy over entitlement. This is important. This is so crucial. This is one of the keys that you are changing, that God's word is transforming your heart, that you are having open heart surgery in your life, that your values are transforming. You overcome the cancer of bitterness and victimhood. The earth, O Lord, is full of your mercy. Teach me your statutes. You never hear this. Man, nothing's fair. Teach me your statutes. See, when you are learning the word of God, what you begin to see is the ocean of mercy around you. While we must be ever mindful of our sin and its power, it cannot be our obsession. Because under mercy, our main focus can't be on how unfair the world is, how it cheats us out of pie, how it makes us victims, our sense of what type of pie we believe we are entitled to, be it political, financial, Emotional, material. You see, feelings of entitlement and victimhood allow you to justify just about any type of pie you want in your life. And the ability to get that pie however it sees fit. Well, no, this is not really stealing because I'm entitled to it. Well, no, it's not really deception. It's not really selfish. It's because this is mine in the first place. This was my portion. Somebody took it from me. I'm taking it back. But when the Lord is your portion, when the Lord is your pie, you're not setting yourself up as judge. When mercy is your main focus, mercy, by the way, that what? You don't deserve. That you are not entitled to. Mercy that is given to you freely. Do you see the difference? Mercy and grace from the gospel, from the one who created us, When you value mercy, you can let go of the cancer of bitterness and entitlement and victimhood and feeling cheated out of your piece of the pie. See, it's hard, church, it's hard to feel like a victim when you understand mercy. You see that? Because mercy is our lifeblood, and we don't deserve a drop of it. We don't deserve any of it. You know what our real piece of the pie should be? Judgment, separation, death. But mercy gives us life, connection, and forgiveness. And we don't deserve any of it. We haven't earned it through our liturgy. We haven't earned it through our religion. We haven't earned it through our schedule keeping. We haven't earned it through anything. We haven't earned it through our giving. We earned it through what? the work of Christ on the cross. And with this understanding of mercy comes this desire to extend that mercy to others who maybe even have wronged us, who have stolen what was our former portion, our former piece of the pie that we thought we were entitled to. Maybe they took it from us and we're able to say, you know what? You can have that pie. This one's better. This one tastes better. Without God's word constantly flowing into our lives, we live blind to God's oceans of mercy. And the more time you spend in his word, the more aware you are of the oceans of mercy around you. Here's what happens, guys. People listen and watch what's important to them on TV, podcast, radio, conversations. People listen and watch what's important to them. You know what else people do to what's important to them? They get up early for it. It amazes me sometimes, and you guys are here, so, I mean, obviously you all love Jesus, but there are some (laughs) who get up at 6.30 to work out or 6 a.m. to go to work. Sunday morning, 10.30? Dude, that's early. People get up early for what's important to them, for what their piece of the pie is. People spend their money. On what's important to them. People people spend their money on their pie. Your life will be dominated by the opposite of these six qualities. If your life is a desert of God's word. Barren and empty of it. Those things change, however, when the word of God does its open heart surgery on you. So... I just want you to see this picture. I mean, it just makes me salivate, frankly. We need to get to the point where we have an emotional and intellectual salivation for God's word. You can tell that it's happening when these six things described today in this stanza start to become visible in your life. Maybe not all at once. Maybe some more than others. Maybe there are ups and downs. But you can begin to say, hey, that's number six. I'm not bitter. Hey, that's number two. Eternal versus temporal. And what begins to happen is our life takes on these other passions these other desires, these other pieces of pie. And like the psalmist, where the psalmist says, that was a good pie. I had plenty of it. It left me wanting more and never satisfied. So today, the Lord is my portion. The Lord is my piece of the pie. If you are getting there, your life will show these six things. Dad, there's a lot of good pieces of pie around in this world. They're delicious and crunchy and sweet. The world throws that ice cream on them. Man, I love ice cream. Briars. Well, I digress, but God, you understand what I'm saying. (laughs) We ask that through the miracle that is your word, that you would make us desire you as our portion. We want you as our portion so that we can begin to look at eternal over temporal, inward versus outward, have immediate responses. We won't fear the dark anymore. We'll have healthier relationships and we will choose mercy over entitlement. Amen.